Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, how the heck are you, and are you on Twitter? I am fantastic, and yes, I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast we introduced Jordan to the Eyes on Big World uh, with our quick little 10-minute podcast. But now's the big one, baby. Uh, this 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 is what all the preparations for is, is the full week one slate. And the perfect time to do it, of course, is when we have just a ton of games yeah. to break down, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, out of the frying pan, into the fire. Uh, first question I want to ask you is, What'd you, what'd you think of week zero? What's your, what's your honest take on how week zero went for you overall feels? I've always been very indifferent on week zero, uh, being more the traditionalist that I am. But we were so starved for football, and I, I think we've both said this a million times. We just need games to start. So to have anything to get that blood taste out of my mouth, I just – I was – yes, it was yeah. needed. Yeah, Kind of an overall letdown, I think, is this, like for what the slate was. Yes. But, I, I mean, it was football. It was games to watch. It wasn't talking season anymore. So I'll yes. take it. I mean, even just a couple podcasts this week, they're actually breaking things down. You know, yeah. like uh, is Notre Dame for real? Is USC's defense still this bad? Still garbage. Yes. <laughs> just stuff like that was refreshing. The one yeah. thing I would say is I really wouldn't change a thing about week zero, except. I wish there was one good P5 versus P5 matchup at the end of the day, you know, that they yeah, build something up. something to, to really wrap it up with. That's a good point. That just, just give me one. You know, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be ranked teams. You know, if it's maybe one ranked team and one team that people think is like a bowl quality team, that that would be fantastic. Um, you know, if, if people, well, some people want to forget, but... Northwestern Nebraska was an awesome football game last year to start out. That that was, was it really was. It was yeah. a great football game last year. But Northwestern fans want to remember it. It was the highlight of the season. Correct. Uh, uh, and and um, so, like, I I think you would get more of that if you had two, you know, P five teams. Other than that, you don't want the appetizer to be better than the meal. And week one, what we're going to break down here. I mean, this this is. The meal. This is a this is a four course meal that we get to go we through. We got all the fixins this yes. week. That yes. is for sure. <laughs> we got all the fixins. Um, and to, to break those down, I mean, we got eleven Big Ten games this week. We got a good split. How it's going too? One on Thursday, one on Friday, eight on Saturday, and then the dessert. We got one on Sunday. And here's a special thing too. Here, Jordan, on Saturday. Three games early, three games midday, two games in the evening. I don't know if you remember, they screwed that up last year where they had almost all the games that are in the early time slot. So this is just phenomenal how the Big Ten TV, I don't know who exactly switches all this stuff up, but they, it's, they've they got it perfect for how this is going to go this weekend. 
you know, our departed buddy, OK Dub, didn't do a whole lot of great things for the Big Ten while he was here. But maybe this is his one parting gift to the Big Ten. Like, here, week one, here's maybe. a perfectly laid out schedule for all of you. And now completely forget about me and let's never talk about him again. Yeah, a lot of people probably wouldn't give K Dub as much credit as you did right there. But that's bold. <laughs> that was it. That's bold. Throwing an olive. Right Throwing an olive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So I, I'm going to do my best not to roll this out awkwardly. Uh, but how we're going to do it just this week, guys on Big Listeners, just this week, we are going to move the the big game of the week all the way up to the front for if, in case you need a refresher how we typically do that. Even if the the Big Ten game of the week is the first game, we'll save it all the way to the end of the podcast. We will be doing that. But just this one time, if you don't mind, Eyes on Big Listeners, we are going to move the Big Ten game of the week up to the first slot of games that we're going to talk about. Why? Because it is wrapped around what we what I need to promote one more time. Uh, Jordan, unfortunately, will not be there, but my, my, my old running mate, Big Kurt, will be there. When, what am I talking about? Of course, it is the Eyes on Big tailgate sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. This is this Thursday, the 31st. Any eyes on big listeners that are in the area, obviously I'm going to be a ton of Gopher fans and Nebraska fans here. But if you're a Wisconsin fan that's in the area, an Iowa fan that's in the area, there's a ton of those fans, please come on by and say hi. We're going to be in lot number 37 from 3.30 to 6.30 p.m. There's going to be free food. There's going to be free drink. Might, Might be a little brown water action there if you want to try there's going to be free Amador swag any for anybody that stops by. We got big game boomer stopping by. We have got <laughs> hard eye roll by Jordan right there. We have got the $5 bits of broken chair trophy that is going to be making an appearance at the tailgate. Anything that a Big Ten football fan wants will be at this tailgate. Jordan, how jealous are you that you're in Michigan and you're not going to be able to attend our tailgate party? Strongly considering calling in sick to work and driving over there. It it's sounds good. like a blast. I'll tell you this much. If you do that, and I know you're not, you you got a place to stay uh, for me. <laughs> so one more time, that will be right outside the bank, lot 37, 330 to 630. And I think, I believe we have got the audio video a little bit of a mystery figured out. I think we're going to be able to record a live podcast out of the back of my truck, uh, right in front of the eyes of big listeners, which I'll be honest with you, Jordan, I'm kind of nervous about. We'll see. We'll see how that goes, Beth, both technologically speaking and performance value. But anyways, it's, it's fun to try new stuff. We're going to give that one a shot. All right. So that big setup brings us to the. Big 10 game of the week. Shout out to my five-year-old right there, Jordan. He's going to be introducing the Big Ten game of the week. M- m- my mom, Mama Greek, Grandma Greek, I think she's going to enjoy that that new segment as much as anybody. Here you have we to start them young, start them early, get the new Big Ten blood boiling. I love it. That's right. That's right. Even if they can't talk yet, it still works. All <laughs> right. First game up is big on big crime. What do we got? The Nebraska Cornhuskers traveling up I-35 to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a 7 o'clock p.m. game on Fox. That's right. Line Gophers by 7 and a hook over under 44.5. So Vegas is saying something like 26 to 18, something like that. Gophers. Jordan, what do you got here? 
So all time here, this history, Minnesota, Nebraska, it's 36, 25, and two. The Gophers have the overall series lead in this rivalry. Uh, last season, it was 20 to 13, go for victory. Nebraska hasn't won this game since 2018. So a lot of, a lot of time Uh, built up in here. Nebraska owns uh, the lead on a lot of big 10 teams that they've played, but a lot of times when Nebraska played the Gophers, it was way back, you know, in that World War II, World War I era when Minnesota was an absolute wagon. As good a time as any to remind people, the only three-time national championship repeat winner is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Hopefully Georgia can stay away from that record for them. Okay, this is the Big Ten game of the week for a couple different reasons. I mean, number one, first game of the year. It's just got that ad excitement, Jordan, you know. Number two, it's obviously Big Ten on Big Ten. Number three, we've got a lot of pretty interesting storylines. So for me, first thing up, the quarterbacks alone, just just peeking in on this game to see how this quarterback, the quarterbacks are going to look. That is reason enough right there. Um, I think, you know, like, like starting out with Minnesota, it's not going to be a drastically different offense that we're going to see out of Minnesota. Like, I don't, you know, this isn't going to be a, a complete change like Wisconsin's doing, but you're going to see little tweaks. I think Minnesota is going to try to have a little bit better run pass combination, a little closer to 50, 50, what are you seeing? Yeah, that's what I'm really, really curious about because now we have the Greek gunslinger, Ethan Kaliak Manis, taking over for, I don't know, how, how old was Tanner Morgan? 46, 47 40, by the time yep, he finally... Just a little bit older. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'm interested because everything I've heard and everybody that we've talked to, this Ethan Kaliak Manis can really sling it around. So does it stay the Kurt Sharaka heavy RPO offense? or do they trust him a little bit more to air it out, especially now with with Mo gone? I mean, there's a lot of questions with this Minnesota offense. I totally agree. I mean, you know, I keep thinking about Mo being gone from this offense, and then I think about Michigan State when they lost their stud running back and the effect that it has, negative effect that it has on the team. I don't think we're going to have it quite like that because I think there's more of an established culture and what wants to be done here. Um, but yeah, bringing up the Kirk Sharaka stuff, uh, different two, you know, got two co-offensive coordinators here. So maybe that helps, you know, maybe that's a situation where because there is some new faces that, you know, weren't so wrapped around the identity of Mo, maybe that helps out a little bit with the offense. But I think another thing that helps out is Kelly Benz looked good at the end of the year. And I thought the wide receivers popped when he got in the game. Another thing too, this is a lot of people have been making a big deal out of this on Twitter. This offense saw this defense most recently in the pinstripe bowl uh, when they played Syracuse. So the same defensive coordinator all last year, Tony White, is now the defensive coordinator at Nebraska. So Syracuse was running the same concepts in the pinstripe bowl. So Minnesota and Cali McManus, he went out of that game kind of early with an injury. But they got some prep time to 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 uh, uh, try to break down this defense, which is a good thing because – I I, I think this is a good Nebraska defense, and I, I think it's going to take a good effort by both offenses to move the ball against either one of these defenses on Thursday night. Yeah, the, the biggest question for me with Nebraska, and like if you look at Matt Rule's history when he's taken over a new program, the first year is really a blow it up, take the culture down to the roots and really build it to what he is. But I think he's coming to Nebraska with more talent 
than what he walked into at any other place that he's been, at least in the college level. NFL doesn't count in this situation. Yeah. So I don't think this is a blow it up and start all over from scratch. My biggest question is the depth. They did take in some transfers to try to help. I just don't know depth-wise if they have the guys, you know, the too deep to really survive the whole Big Ten season. This game early in the year we're talking about right now, it will make things a whole lot more interesting. And, you know, guys like Arie Gilbert, does he get that waiver from the NCAA? Because that's a weapon that that offense and Jeff Sims needs. They're still not saying anything about it, and we know we don't trust the NCAA for anything with that kind of stuff. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Gilbert will play in this game. Wasn't listed on the two deep. Um, I, I will say, though, uh, Jeff Sims. Okay. My guess is this game's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Florida, Utah is also on at the same time. So going to be a lot of toggling, I would think, uh, for people between these two games. So for whoever peeks in on this game, especially if it's non-Big Ten fans, they're going to be surprised what they see out of Calic Manis. That's that's my opinion. Uh, I think there's going to be some fans that are going to be surprised what they've seen out of Jeff Sims or what they, excuse me, will see out of Jeff Sims. That dude he can spin it. Okay. Like I watched some games at Georgia tech and here's, here's the thing when, when he's on pace, you know, when, when the tempo is good and he can, you know, do his play fake the RPO, whatever it is and hit his guy that he wants to hit, dude, he delivers the ball. The, the part that makes me nervous if I'm a Nebraska fan is even at Georgia tech. Okay. I know Georgia tech struggles. They don't have the most, you know, amazing roster in the, in the world, but they had some receivers that could go up and get the ball even when they weren't open. I'm not sure I see that with Nebraska right now. So that is what's going to be interesting to me is like, how is Satterfield rule? How is that mix going to be and how they're going to use Sims? It is extremely intriguing in this game. Yeah, Jeff Sims had moments at Georgia Tech where he looked like, okay, this guy could be the next big thing out of the ACC for quarterbacks. And like you said, the talent level at Georgia Tech, it's not the same as what they have in Nebraska. So he's going to have better athletes around him to help him. And that's going to matter a ton. We'll just we'll just see if they can, you know, the special yeah. teams errors and all of the the sloppiness and does is all the Scott Frost bad juju. Has it yeah. thawed out a little bit? Is that yeah. is that gone and can they get back to just playing football again? It probably takes a little bit of extra time, but Jeff Sims wasn't a part of that. But ironically, right. Jeff Sims turnovers is what, you know, has bogged him down the most. Um, and then running the ball for Nebraska. I know Rule wants to run the ball and stop the run. Like that is in his DNA. There is no doubt in my mind that as long as the game's close, they're, they're, Nebraska's going to try to run the ball. I just wonder, though, like how much of that's going to be through Sims and how much they're going to put on him here, you know, if the game is still close. In my mind, the way Nebraska wins this game, it's Sims, okay? It's all of a sudden Sims making way more plays than anybody thought he would going into this game. And if you want to, you know, win the game, obviously you're going to lean on what's going to get there. I think it's going to be Sims, but are they is that going to be the game plan and if so, will Sims be able to come through? That's why you tune in Thursday night to check it out. Yeah, hundred percent. The big offensive lineman too. You know, a lot, a lot of criticism from Husker fans. Bryce Benhart, Turner Cochran, or Corcoran, or I don't know how you say yep. his last name. Yep. Those are some highly recruited guys, but I've heard a lot of Husker fans just unhappy with the results of them. So can can Matt Rule get into that and maybe turn those guys around? There's potential in those players. 
Yep. Uh, only coach they kept from the staff from the previous was the offensive line coach. So we will see how that works out. If you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and go into my prediction right here. All right. So after the tailgate, going to be settled into the game. What am I going to see? I think we're going to see a tight, tight game. Okay. Very tight game. I, I think Nebraska's defense is kind of a best kept secret right now. This, this is my opinion. I think it's going to be Tony White is a witch. And I think he's going to start showing that on on Thursday night pretty quick. But I think Joe Rossi is a he's a pretty good you know defensive coordinator as well. I think you're going to see good plays from both quarterbacks. I think you're going to see a couple of mistakes from both quarterbacks. But in the end, I think Sean Tyler uh, go for running back. Not going to be the Mo type, and that's good and bad. Bad that he's not your stalwart, but I think he's going to pop a big play. I think one or two big plays in Minnesota's favor is going to be it. So I have got Minnesota 23, Nebraska 17. So that is an oh-so-close Nebraska cover. And, hey, Amador is sponsoring the tailgate right before this game. So shouldn't we have, shouldn't I have the Amador double barrel lock of the week in this game? Yes, I do. I'm going to have the under 44.5. I've got 40 points total here. So that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week hmm i did not see that going that direction really we, okay. we, we see this a little differently okay i i do agree that the both defenses i think will be good but this first game of the year all the changes minnesota's offense you know caliak man is getting warmed up nebraska trying to figure out if jeff sims is the guy or not the guy i think it leads to some sloppy play all the way around in this game. Maybe some turnovers, maybe some pick sixes. So I actually have this going. Minnesota 31, Nebraska 24. Higher scoring game, comfortably going over. I think we see points in this game. I wow. There's just something about these that this Nebraska defense, the Minnesota defense, all the changes, all the pieces – I got a feeling we see some points early on. They want us. They want to show off Kaliak Manis. Let's see this arm. Let's say we're not just the Mo Ibrahim offense. Hmm. So yeah, I got a I got a go for cover and a very comfortable over. Wow. Uh, so thirty one seven. Did you say thirty one twenty four? Twenty four. Yeah. So that's a just so you know seven that's and a half points. That is a 50. that that no that's a Nebraska cover by a half point. At seven and a half points, right there. Oh, we had se- we had seven on here, so that's actually a push. I didn't see that. Okay, okay. well, we'll, we'll, call, we'll go seven. with Nebraska covering. Okay, seven so you got half. Nebraska half a point. Point being is it's short. I mean, it's okay. I, I've only got it by. Oh, it's going to be a good. It's going to be yeah. yeah it's going to be, be a good. Game. Like I, I think that line is is dead on. This is a great way to start the Big Ten season off, no doubt. And then we'll go from that to maybe one that isn't quite as good or doesn't predict to be as is quite as good. That is. One game that we have on Friday night, September 1st, the Central Michigan Chippewas at the Michigan State Spartans. This is a 6 o'clock p.m. game on FS1. Sparty's always playing that Friday night game on FS1. I don't know how they signed up for that. Uh, Line Sparty by 14 and a hook over under 48.5. So Vegas is saying something like 31 to 17. What do you got for me here, Jordan? So they, these two teams have played a few times. This will be the 12th matchup. They go. The most recent was 2018, a Michigan State Spartan win at home on a Friday night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a 31-20 Spartan win. You are correct. It does seem like Michigan State plays these Friday night games, and I know some Spartan fans that I see on Twitter, it's a running joke. It's been like 10 years in a row or something. 
obviously being facetious, but they do yeah. play a lot. These opening Friday nights just seems like a tradition. I don't know why they've been saddled with it, but you know, I mean, seems here, to be their opening weekend. Here's the deal: if if you've got a very important reason to watch your local high school team play Friday night, maybe got a kid playing on it or whatever, that sucks. Okay, but if you don't, you don't have a real big conflict. I don't know. I would love this tradition of a Friday night game. They've won these games almost every single time. So to get a win and to go into that first full Saturday, knowing you've already got a win, I don't know. If I'm a Sparty fan, I I think I would like that quite a bit. Uh, Central Michigan, FYI, picked fourth in the MAC West, coached by Jim McElwain, the Shark Humper. Jordan, haven't seen him for a while. Uh not, Not since he left Michigan's coaching staff. He was no. he was an assistant at Michigan when he was took he? that job. I forgot about that. Uh, but obviously, we're mostly going to talk about Michigan State here. Um, you know, I expect Michigan State to look pretty good here. Okay, not not great, not dominant, uh, but I think we'll know pretty early in this game that Michigan State is definitely the stronger of the two. Um, I get more nervous about these directional Michigan teams playing a Michigan team when it's maybe second, third game of the year where you could get a lull. Home opener like this, I, I think Michigan State is is going to be ready to play. Um, and I'm looking for, the first thing I'm going to be looking for, I do have faith in the Michigan State offensive line and that rushing attack. That That's what I'm going to be looking at early in this game. Is Michigan State going to try to establish a rushing attack and jam it down their throat right from the get-go. Yeah, you you have to think that's what Mel Tucker wants with all the talk and everything we've heard with this offensive with this offensive line. You know, it's a lot of the same guys in Michigan State. This all the injuries last year. I mean, their their entire team it seemed like somebody was banged up every week. So you you want to see them come out and really assert themselves, get Jalen Berger, some of those other backs going. We don't know who the quarterback is. For my money, I think it's going to be Noah Kim, but I don't have any connection there. It's just a feeling that I have from what I read and saw, but we might see a little bit of both of them. That seems to be the new flavor. You know, it used to be you had two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Now it seems to be everybody's just playing two. Yeah. So that's That's not my feel here, unless I'm really getting snowballed while I I I think these are two pretty good quarterbacks that there just isn't a wide gap between the two. And of course, we're talking Hauser or, or Noah Kim. Um, we'll see. Maybe we'll see both. Um, that that could be a thing. I do believe there's, I think it was you who called it, Jordan, in our uh, DM group, where maybe these coaches are sandbagging a little bit so that both co- both quarterbacks are on the roster <laughs> deeper into the season. Well, I, I, I don't think that's a bad take at all. Uh, it's that's, With today's climate and and TPing being so common, you almost have to play it that way. I don't blame them. I don't blame Mel Tucker for not telling us who the starter is. I don't know why you would give that advantage up, even if it's a one percent advantage for you. Take it, take what you can get. Uh, you and you know you named Berger. I'm also wondering about Nathan Carter too. Heard some good things about him. Um, and then on the other side, get some pressure, Smarty. Okay, uh, stop the big plays on deep like. If you did nothing more than run the ball and stop the big plays on defense, every Sparty fan would feel better, you know, once the game's over Friday night. Stop the the junk plays on defense. That's got to be their number one goal defensively. 
Yeah, especially in a game like this, you know, Jim Jim McElwain, he has a tendency to want to throw the ball more. So you're going to think Central's going to want to throw a little bit. That means guys like Simeon Barrow and then the transfer. I'm not going to try to say his name from Texas Tech, <laughs> Adelaide. Right. I know yeah. that. I ain't going to go that for works. the rest of it. That works. We're I good with it. We're good with nicknames on the Eyes on Big Podcast. That is totally. Oh fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Jacoby yeah. Winman, guys like that. You know, yes. let these guys pin their ears back in a game like this and take some pressure off of them. But like we said, the same thing with the offense. This defensive secondary is a lot of the same names. Charles Brantley, Chester Kimbrough, Angelo Gross. It's the same names. It's the same guys. So have they grown? Has Mel Tucker, who has a history as a secondary coach, yeah. taught these guys and have the mistakes been cleaned up? This is a good game to see that because I do think Central's going to want to throw the ball and they're going to have to throw the ball because Michigan State is the more talented team and they should control this game for the majority of it. So we'll see. We'll see what the growth is and what it looks like. I think you nailed it as far as the game we're going to watch. Um, I, I do think Michigan State is, is going to try to throw, run the ball because I, I think the goal is to take a little bit of pressure off of a quarterback that knows all the eyes are going to be on him and also knows there's a guy – waiting right behind him to take his spot. So I think they're going to ease the quarterback in, which means to me a little bit slower pace game, not a game where we really feel like Michigan state is all that threat. Maybe a couple sweaty moments, second, you know, third quarter in the end, Michigan state wins the game, but, but close. Okay. Like that, 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 uh, uh, stubborn 14 and a half point line. Sometimes Jordy, you got to listen to Vegas because it's it's talking to you. It's, it's talking to you. So I'm going to take that half point, okay? I've got Michigan State 31, Central Michigan 17. Yes, that is the exact same score that it pretty much plays out to be. So I'm going to take the half point Central Michigan cover and the half point under in this game. Well, this game we couldn't be much closer on because okay. I have Michigan State 31, Central Michigan, 15. <laughs> so a Sparty cover okay. and just a very slim under as well. So okay. we're, we're much more in lockstep with this game. I do think this could be like a backdoor cover situation. You know, yes. Michigan State gets a late touchdown of guilt to put it over the number type of thing. But I don't, I'm with you. I don't think they're really ever nervous about this game. First half might be kind of sloppy getting whoever the quarterback is going. But otherwise, I think they control the game for much of the second half. Yeah, we pretty much see the same thing. All right, yeah. moving into the... The main course Saturday. We've got eight games Saturday, September 2nd. Let's start with this one right here. The East Carolina Carolina Pirates are coming into the big house to take on the number two Michigan Wolverines. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Peacock. Welcome to the Peacock oh. world, Jared. I'm sure you're excited about it. Uh, line Wolverines by a healthy 36 points over under 51.5. So Vegas is saying... 44 to 7 Michigan. What you got here? So this is the first time these two teams have ever played. And I even did a little more digging trying to find out. I don't think Michigan has ever played a team with a pirate for a mascot. <laughs> I even went back into the early 1900s. I did not yes. find any pirate mascots. So this is a very first. There's not. I could not be a, missing one. No, not a ton of pirates out there, I wouldn't think. But, but I know uh, I know basketball that has happened, but I'm pretty yeah. sure football this is the first time. So the big nice. storyline here obviously is Jim Harbaugh suspended and now Sharon Moore suspended for this game as well. So who's calling? They just announced today 
that Kirk Campbell, the quarterback's coach, and now J.J. McCarthy's best friend will be the guy calling plays. So that's Wait, interesting like, what's, to me because – We're not as in tune. What does that mean, J.J. McCarthy's best friend? So when all the whole cyber crimes thing happened with Matt Weiss last year and he got fired, J.J. McCarthy was like banging on the table for Kirk Campbell to be the quarterback's coach. He ah, loves this guy. Okay. So they're, they're, right. best, they're best buddies. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Well, with that, what you will, I don't yeah. know. So the uh, question I have with that is because Campbell's calling plays, are they going to sling it around a little I bit more and let JJ? Just, kinda, I, yes, you know, as as you were literally bring. So I, I started looking down at my score, and I think I'm going to be okay with what I got because that's kind of what I'm wondering <laughs> here. Um, what I would say is, uh, like coaching. I I think coaches matter. I I know that sometimes that that makes me. A, a weird per, a weird college football person on Twitter when I have the audacity to say that coaches actually matter quite a bit to a football. Everybody just thinks that's all, ah, it's just recruiting. That's all that matters, whatever. With that being said, I don't think it's going to make any difference in the world that, that Jim Harbaugh is not going to be there at all. Sharon Moore, maybe. Okay. Maybe with Sharon Moore, like calling plays in a, in a big t- time environment. Not a, I know this ain't a big time uh, opponent but in a big time environment that is a thing so you as a michigan fan is there any a little bit i i, I don't think you're gonna lose the game but like just kind of inquisitive wondering what the play calling is gonna look like yeah oh definitely um but again you know kirk campbell was an offensive coordinator at old dominion so he's he's made game plans he's called plays yep. and like you said it, it this not being the it's it's not a big game. We've all heard about the, yeah. the super tough non-conference schedule. If this was ECU last year, mm. I'd be more worried because they were a really good team last year, but they lost everything. Yeah. I mean, they only bring back 32% of their production. It's 131st in the country. For those of you that don't know, there's only 133 teams. <laughs> right. So right. they are right down there at the bottom with returning production. So I mean, I think it'll be, again, like we said with the first two games, a little rough going, but I'm going to go ahead and go right here with my score. Go I ahead. see this Michigan 52, ECU 10. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I the, the 10 is probably a late touchdown. They'll get a field goal at some point early on, but there is a trend in the gambling universe of Michigan home overs hitting yeah. at a very alarming rate. So I'm staying with the home overs Ooh. trend here. Ooh. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take the 55 total to go over the 51 and a half. Now the one thing that would fight against that is these games are quicker. Week zero games were a little bit faster. I I especially it seemed like for whatever reason the first and second quarters, and I know it's because they slowed down a little bit in the second and fourth. So that that that's something that could be, but we got almost the exact same score. Here's here's what I got down. Just bust out runs, you know, first couple quarters. Get your running backs out of there. Keep them healthy. The entire thing right here for Michigan is 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 health. Just get guys out of there right away. There's 800 seniors and juniors. Rotate them in. Actually get some of those sophomores and freshmen in. That's what I expect to see. Even with that being said, it's a blowout. We have almost the exact same score. I have 50 to 10. You have 52 to 10. So we both have a Michigan cover. We both have the over. And Swanky Wolverines... Uh, uh, meme that he made with uh, uh, Harbaugh sitting back, you know, watching the 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 uh, I forget the, the Leonardo team. DiCaprio, DiCaprio clip. Yeah. yeah, that is that is fantastic. I think you're anybody that doesn't that. follow Swanky Wolverine on Twitter, it doesn't matter if you're a Michigan fan or not. 
The I'm dude's content you. is amazing. He's he, worth he is, every bit of a follow. He is absolutely awesome. Uh, he's not the Michigan fan, <laughs> Jordan, that you could sometimes run into on Twitter. The dude is hilarious. He, he, he is definitely worth the follow. All right, sticking in the early games, the Utah State Aggies coming in to play the number 25 Iowa Hawkeyes. 11 o'clock a.m. game on FS1 line Hawks by 25 over under 44. So Vegas is saying 34 to 10 Hawks. A points explosion out of the Hawkeyes. What do you got here, Jordan? So this will be the third time these teams have matched up. Going back, the last matchup was 2002, where the Hawks won 48 to 7. So in a runaway, and that was a true points explosion. So we'll see if OBF can get the, the point total started off on the right foot if it carries over like history says. We'll see. Yeah, we had a, we had a little bit different style of offense in 2002 than we do uh, these current <laughs> days. So yeah, I would say so. Yeah, the Aggies picked eighth in the Mountain West. Uh, why? Lot of new faces. All right, there there are guys that have took off and went went to other schools, uh, graduated. They, they it is it is expected to be a transition year uh, for Utah State. That is why um, I think you see such a big line there. With that being said, uh, there's some issues uh, that Iowa is trying to work through right now. Uh, and, of course, uh, those issues seem to be offensively. Um, Cade McNamara, every Hawkeye fan, dying to see number 12 from your former squad walk out onto the Kinnick, field, Kinnick Stadium field on Saturday. I'm not convinced, okay, Jordan? Like, he was listed number one on the depth chart. Good to see, Right doesn't tell you anything okay like they're gonna list him just to avoid if there's even a chance that he's gonna play a lot of conspiracy theories on how he will play or not Here, here's how i'm gonna break this down it's very simple if he's healthy he will play in this game on saturday if he's not healthy enough to play he won't this isn't some sort of conspiracy theory on what it takes to, to hold a guy in or not that's that's just the facts in my opinion um if giving him another week to heal is a good thing to do, do it. I think Iowa can win this game without King McNamara at quarterback. Much more important game coming up in Ames next week weekend. So that is honestly one of the biggest storylines. If not, I mean, it's it's the biggest storyline of this game. I think it's safe to say if they can't win this game without Cade McNamara, there's bigger problems. Absolutely. In Absolutely. Iowa City. So. Yeah. No, I mean this this game to me, like you said, Cade's health, and I I just really want to see this offensive line own a team because we we all know that's that's where this has to start. And if I I've picked them to be in the Big Ten title, you've picked them to be in the Big Ten title, they're in that race in the Big Ten West. If they're going to be that team, this offensive line, it doesn't have to be the elite lines from the day, but it just it has to be better. It has to be just not so leaky. You know, Cade's not a super mobile guy. He's not going to be able to run for his life back there. He can escape and make plays, but you've already seen health issues. You don't want him taking hits this early in the year. So I just want to see that offensive line just dominate. And then I know Torrey Taylor's an amazing player, and I love punters, (laughs) but I just don't want to see him. I don't want to see him Saturday. Let's keep him on. Rest that leg. You're going to need him for bigger games. Rest it. He's important. It's a conundrum. It's a conundrum. Uh, because Jordan, we 
we do like to see Tory Taylor put that that is the honest to God truth. Like when he rolls one out inside the five yard, like, dude, I it it gives you a charge. Like I love it, but maybe not to like the third quarter. That that would you know, or like yeah. late in the second no. quarter. So I think there's as a rival fan, I hate seeing him because I know well we're starting inside yep. the five again. Here Correct. we go. Yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, I do think you'll see a little bit better offensive line, rushing attack. Uh, all signs are pointing to Caleb Johnson. I was running back about ready to go into beast mode, but we'll see. We've got some depth behind him. Jazz Patterson is another guy. There are some weapons that I think will pop at times on Saturday. Look out for Seth Anderson, the Juco that came in flipper Anderson's kid, Deontay vines. I like, I like the tight ends. I, It'll look a little bit better, okay? Not explosive, not dominant passing attack, but I, I think you'll see some signs of life. On the other side, I think Iowa's defensive line in front seven is going to snatch some souls on Saturday. I I could not agree with you more, and that's why my my score here is going to tell you everything. I, I, I Go see Iowa 42-7. Oh. I mean, I just – I think – and it's it's not so much that I think there's going to be a whole bunch of wow explosion plays. I just don't think. I mean, you said it. Utah State. We just talked about ECU was 131st in returning production. They're 125th, so yeah. they're equally as as short in all these players. I just think Iowa just mows them down the field over and over and over again. And it's it could be boring, and it could be classical. Just shove it up your face, football. I just don't think Iowa State can stop them. So I got 42-7, a total 49. That's an over and an easy okay. box cover. All right. Um, I can't tell if your prediction is better because you're not an Iowa fan or if mine is going to be better because I just know my team so well. <laughs> it's going to be one of the two, I guess. I guess for me, with the questions with Cade and just knowing uh, – I need to see it, okay? I'm a big I-need-to-see-it guy. The offense will look better. I'm convinced of that, but not quite to the level that you're saying. So I've got Iowa 30, Utah State 13, okay? So at 43 points, that is just barely under the game total. Uh, and, but it's And that's a Utah State cover. I think that's just a little bit too many points. I think there's going to be a couple leaky moments with Iowa's defense that is going to scare the heck out of Iowa fans because we haven't got used. We, we've gotten so spoiled the last two years with Jack Campbell. I think you're going to see a couple plays across the middle that have not been available there the last two years. And it's going to freak Iowa fans out. Uh, and of course, even maybe Jordan, you might even be sick of hearing about the Brian Ferentz contract by, I don't know, the middle of the second or third quarter in this game. It's going to be disgusting. I, I just fully trust Phil Parker to make sure this defense isn't going to allow those mistakes to happen. I mean, All he's right. done it for so long. Got I, I just trust it. I will, too. Uh, I will, too. All right, here we go. Moving into our last game, early game. This is a good one here. The Fresno State Bulldogs at the Purdue Boilermakers. 11 o'clock a.m. game on BTN line. Boilers by four. This is a tight one. Over under 50 points. So Vegas is saying 27 to 23 Boilers, that that that's a good game right there. Go ahead. Yeah, we we talked about we talked about Purdue a little bit offline in the group chats and stuff too. Their their schedule, and I know you and Kurt when you broke it down, this schedule is just yeah, it's miserable for a team that's that's going through everything they're going through. You know, Ryan Walters comes in and Graham Harrell, and how does it all mesh? And just 
Purdue loses so much. You have Devin Mockaby. You have Hudson Card, who's getting rave reviews. Everybody loves him. But outside of TJ Sheffield, I don't know who they're going to get the yeah. ball to. Yeah. You know, you, you got to – Hudson Card can be great, but you've got to have other targets to throw to. TJ Sheffield, we saw at times, was very good. Don't know what else is really out there for him. So, I'm, it's just there's a lot of loss here. Ryan Walters, the Harrell thing. Yep. Yeah. I'm now, really one torn thing, on this game. I'm interested what you think. Yeah. One thing is that uh, that I that I think of is we already mentioned it with Minnesota at the end of the year. All of a sudden, these uh, Purdue wide receivers that, or excuse me, at the end of the year, all these Minnesota wide receivers that you'd hardly ever heard of started making plays. It was because the quarterback dealing them the ball uh, was doing a good job. I wonder if we'll have that here with Hudson Card. I wonder if Hudson Card is that good. I they they have just. Uh, Jordan, they, they're in my head. These Purdue fans and people covering Purdue. I don't know if, if like I, I'm susceptible, but to Hudson Card rumors, but I'm buying them. Okay, so like a lot of what I'm predicting here for Purdue is this Hudson Card effect. So I think the receivers deserve to get questioned, as you say. I, I think they'll look better. I think there is young talent on the roster that will will get developed through this offensive coordinator and quarterback. But that's what you're tuning in to see. And you know, by the way. The for Fresno State, they're picked third in the Mountain West. Just Jeff Tedford, they won the Mountain West last year. Okay, this is the Mountain West champions coming in. This would be a tough game for your second game of the year after having like a Patsy, but having them number one, even even tougher. Um, but they also lost their starting quarterback, their top three receivers, and their starting running back. So that's the other side of it. Here is that. Ton, ton of ex, uh, coaching experience and guys on the roster that know how to win, but the major players from last year are gone. So that that's kind of the whole thing. Um, this is a a great game to have second toggled if you are at home watching these these games for Big Ten fans. Most definitely, yeah. It looks like they have Mikey Keene coming in at quarterback from UCF. So he didn't. He lost his job to a left fielder from the baseball team, John Reese Pumley. So, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I don't don't know how how warm and fuzzy that makes me feel of a guy who lost his starting job to an outfielder. But, yeah. um, this game, man, it's tough. I, every, everything we've said, I have this so close. I'm I'm gonna go with Purdue twenty three. Fresno State 21. Ooh, so okay. the Boilers get the win and they, they're not covering. So Fresno takes the, the cover there and it's uh, that's an under at 44. I just I, I don't know with this Purdue team, you lose so much. And I want to see what this contrast of Ryan Walters defense and a Graham Harrell offense. I want to see what it looks like. I it could be gold and it could be mud. We just don't know yet. It's a yep. it's a real stark comparison. Listen. You could be right, okay? We're, we're, me and you are different here, uh, but I have about as much confidence that you're correct as me. I, I'm just going to trust Purdue, okay? I, I do think with th- – there's quite a bit of changes in Fresno State here with who they have uh, um, uh, moving the ball. Coming all the way cross-country, early game for a West Coast team, okay? That plays into it. I think they'll wake up at some point, but I think Purdue will be up enough at that point that they're not going to be able to make up that gap. So I've got Purdue 31, Fresno State 20. So ever so slightly over the game total, but with 11 points, I've got Purdue covering somewhat comfortably by a touchdown. 
The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Now we move in to the afternoon games. The number three Ohio State Buckeyes coming in to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers, our second Big Ten on Big Ten game of the weekend. This is at 2.30 p.m. on what TV station? CBS! That's right. We've got <laughs> oh, that is going to be crazy. That's that. It might be worth recording that just because of that intro for the first Big Ten game, and I I think it's like since the eighties that CBS. And we get to hear all the SEC fans cry and whine and complain about they stole our song. Good, that's okay. That just adds to my enjoyment. Makes it even better. I love. Yep, Buckeyes by thirty and a hook over under sixty point five. So Vegas is saying forty five to fourteen. Ohio State. What do you got? So the Buckeyes lead this series all time, 78-12-5. And, and unless I'm missing something, this is the longest active streak in yeah. the Big Ten. Ohio State has won 27 times in a row, including last year where they won 56-14 in a runaway. That's tough the big to do. Big questions. It. That's There's tough to lot, pull yeah. off of the Big Ten conference. That's, that's, that's 27 tough. in a row is tough Jesus. with anything, yeah. let yeah. alone in the Big Ten. So, all right. What you looking at? So. We all know what Ohio State is offensively. They've got all the horses on the outside. They got all the horses in the backfield. The quarterback. I I think I could go in there and probably throw for three thousand yards with that offense. I mean, I don't care if it's Kyle McCord. I don't care if it's Devin Brown. They're going to be good. I want to see their offensive tackles because they did lose two offensive tackles in the NFL draft. I don't know that Indiana has anything defensively that's going to like super. Hmm. Press them. Andre Carter yeah. is a good rush end. Yeah. So if if Ohio State has leaky issues and those quarterbacks are running for their life, that's going to say a bigger problem for a game in here in a few weeks, maybe with some Irish boys down the road. Sure. But I'm I'm very curious. That's what I'm looking for for Ohio State offensively, at least is those tackles. Yeah. Um. It's funny with Ohio State. Uh, I feel like everybody does it, especially I suppose a Michigan fan, you start talking about the weaknesses. And I think it's because you're just not used to seeing them out of a Buckeye squad. And um, we've heard that the tackles struggled mightily in the spring and fall camp. I still kind of throw out there that I wonder if that's because the Ohio State defensive line has took a, such a step up and, and they're surrounded by, you know, the tackles are putting up with beasts every day and we'll, we'll get to their defense here but we still don't know we got another this is our second quarterback mystery as we you know, head into saturday browner mccord last second to last time uh that i recorded uh was with kurt um we thought it was mccord i don't know you know a lot of rumors that it could be devin brown i i i honestly do not know i do think it makes a, a difference you know i do think the quarterbacks are a little bit different but nothing's going to change those receivers, nothing's going to change that stable of running back. So obviously Ohio state's going to move the ball. I just wonder, okay. It, well, the Island of misfit toys. Okay. Which is what I'm calling this in this Indiana defense this year, all these new people that are in here. I I've got this weird confidence that it's going to look a little bit better than what people expect. 
enough to beat Ohio State. No, neither one of us are going to predict that. But and and this is a childlike view on football. Okay, I, I'm going to say that I I know this, but this is a game that you blitz, blitz, and blitz some more, right? Like I know you're going to give up some big plays. All right, uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to rip off two or three huge plays. Don't get me wrong. Try to prevent them from being if they're a 40 yard gain. Okay, better than a 65 yard touchdown. That's your goal as a safety. It, but on the other side, try to get pressure on this new quarterback and just see what happens. You you got to live and die by the blitz, and I I think that's what we'll see out of Indiana in this game. Yeah, I'm curious because we like we talked about. There's a whole lot of island of misfit toys. Ten players on this too deep on the defense are transfers or new to the team. So, a whole lot of new faces makes you wonder. Yeah. You know, we've seen we know Tommy A. We know what he's all about. His energy and running up and down the sideline, chest bumping. If we can see some of that energy and maybe, maybe he puts a helmet on and goes out there and blitzes somebody. They may, <laughs> they may need everything they can get he right might, now. He but. might do that. Um, and just quickly for Indiana's offense, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's going to be Taven Jackson at quarterback. It could be Soresby. I I don't know. I, I, I'd i go Taven because now you got the dual threat, at least every now and then put a little bit of pressure on this Ohio State defense. And then, of course, our guy Jalen Lucas. I mean, this guy is a weapon. Maybe he makes a play on special teams. Maybe he pops a middle screen that he takes off somewhere. I don't know. I I think I see enough here to make it not an outright blowout, okay? Um, Ohio State's had a little bit of slow starts the last couple of years. I don't think I'm being too, you know, 2020, it's hard to do anything off of that. But 2021, you know, they had Oregon last year. They kind of battled with Notre Dame. Those are obviously higher quality teams than, than Indiana. But new quarterback, let's just maybe it's not an a, a absolute, you know, curb stomp right from the get-go. I think Indiana will look decent before Ohio State kind of runs away with this. So I've got Ohio State 42, Indiana 14. I like the under at 56 points. That's that's four and a half points under the game total. And I've got Indiana covering by three or four points. Hmm. Well, and again, we're we're a little different here. Yeah, so yeah, I do agree. Okay. And I'm I have I have looked. Ohio State has had a tendency to get out slow. In the past, but like we said, with all these Island of Misfit toys on the defense and the weapons and the horses at Ohio State, I think they're going to want to come out and make a statement early. So what I have here is I have Ohio State 54, Indiana 14 for a total of 68, and that is my Amador double barrel. Lock Lock of the week. Wow. So the, the, just went, just the over, just, just the, the over, over at sixty eight okay. is where I'm. Where it's sixty and a half, so I'm I'm locking up the over here because I do think Indiana will get some plays. You know, Cam Camper, Donovan McCulley, one of them might get loose. Okay, but I just think there's too many weapons on Ohio State to keep okay. them down. Okay. They get off the bus and score forty five, so the second stringers can get a little bit too. I mean, okay. All right. I love it. So your Amador Double Barrel Lock of the Week, I'm actually on the opposite side of it. So that's going to be interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Staying in the afternoon, the Buffalo Bulls taking on the number 19 Wisconsin Batchers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on FS1. Or is it FS2? Oh, maybe that's a typo. Line Badgers by 28 points over under 54.5. Vegas is saying 41 
to 13. Badgers, what do you got here, Jordan? So this will only be the second time that these two teams have played. The okay. the last time was in 2006. The Badgers oh won 35 to 3. 35 to 3. That sounds like I don't know so, if we're gonna, I don't know if we're going to get 35 to 3 games from the Badgers that much moving forward here, Jordan. Yeah, it's like so in the past it's what's 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 Wisconsin? They're going to line it up in 12 personnel, they're going to run it down your throat, they're going to smash you to death. Their defense is going to be great. And now all of a sudden everybody's talking about offense, 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 offense. Phil Longo, we're going to throw it all over the place. Tanner Mordecai comes in as an extremely efficient college quarterback. How does he do in this step up? And and I just I don't know. No. Wisconsin is the biggest enigma wrapped in a riddle to me that I have yes. seen in, in all of college football, not just the Big Ten. They could go ten and two. I think they could go seven and five. Like yep. I just yeah. I really truly don't know with this team. And this is gonna be a tough test. This is not a pushover no. both team. They're no uh they're, they're solid. Pick third in the Mac East, like pick to go six and six. So basically, you know, Athlon thinks that they're playing a bull team. Okay. So not a game that you know, I I I haven't seen your picks yet. I doubt we think Wisconsin's gonna lose the game, right? But could they get challenged? You know, could it be a game where there's a couple times where we look at Wisconsin and say, hmm, things don't seem to be clicking quite right. Okay. You mentioned Tanner Mordecai. Do I think Tanner Mordecai is gonna make plays in this game? You bet. I, I fully expect Tanner Mordecai to make some plays in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of people tuning in that they're, they know Wisconsin is going to want to throw the ball, but they probably don't know that they have good wide receivers to, to catch those balls. I think people are going to get start getting clued in. So we are going to see plays by Tanner Mordecai. We are going to see plays by the Wisconsin running backs. Braylon Allen is not going anywhere. Okay, like Braylon Allen's going to pop – Big place too. We've heard all offseason about how excited he is to run, you know, into uh, uh, boxes that don't have eight guys, you know, sitting in there. I do think you'll see him pop some plays. Um, I just wonder if it'll sputter at times as they get their timing down. And in fact, I kind of expect it to sputter at times. Yeah, a little bit of a familiar foe coming into Madison as well. Cole Snyder. The Bulls quarterback was a Rutgers quarterback. Some of our Scarlet Knight fans may remember back in 2018, he started six games okay. for Rutgers. So he has some taste of Big Ten in his, yep. in him. He's seen it. He's been in the fire. And he was 3,000 yards yeah, last looked, year. Yeah, he's, a, he he's good. a good player. He's a solid yep. player. So, yep. again, I hate this pick. I do of too. all the picks that I've made today, too. this is the one I hate the most just because for I sure. don't know with yep. Wisconsin. But my gut tells me it's going to look okay. So I have Wisconsin 32. I, and I just saying that, I want to throw up a little bit. <laughs> and, and Buffalo 18 for a wow. total of 50. So we're staying under because yeah. I do think that Wisconsin defense is, is still going to bow up and be tough. But the Bulls cover here, I think. Yeah. All right. Um, watch out for safety Marcus Fuqua for Buffalo. This guy, he's a, he's a good player. I think he's going to make a play here and that. We're going to see some good stuff out of Wisconsin. I think we're going to see a, a little bit more leaky defense. And it's going to make Wisconsin fans feel a little bit. It's going to make their skin crawl a little bit. Our our, our buddy, Soup, Super Crawl, I think it's going to be a couple times where he's watching this game. And people are going to say, yeah, I miss that Leon Hard guy. Not that Trussell's bad. Don't get me wrong. There's talent on this defense. Just a couple, t- couple times in this game, I think you're going to 
understand that this ain't your, your you know your slightly older brother's Wisconsin Badgers. So I have got Wisconsin thirty five. We're close here, but yet somehow different. Wisconsin thirty five, Buffalo twenty. So I also have a Buffalo cover, and at fifty five points, I have just going over. Why? <laughs> why not a half point over? That's that's how much confidence I have. That's by the way. Folks, that's always a little bit of a clue in if I don't feel confident on something. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a fun little game to, to tune into. Stick it in for one more afternoon game. We'll be kind of quick here. The FCS Townsend Tigers coming in to take on the Maryland Terrapins. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on BTN. Jer- or, uh, Jordan, this game will be on HDTV. Now, the San Jose State USC team could... USC game couldn't get that on HD TV, but by God, FCS maybe Townsend there's a reason the Pac-12 is dying. I'm just saying, <laughs> no line, none of that stuff. It's FCS team, you can't find it anywhere. Um, we got uh, Jordan. I got something a little bit fun. We're going to do with the score, but before that, you know, Townsend. I had to look it up, dude. It's it's Townsend, Maryland. Okay, they're they're 38 miles away from College Park. So after they get their butts kicked, they got a short drive to get back home that night. We got any stats here for have they met before? Well, so th- this would be the third time okay. that these two teams have played. They did recently play in 2017. And yeah. so part of our little game here. Yeah. Maryland won 63 to 17 in their okay. last meeting. So in they put up right quite there. a few points. So Okay. So we're not gonna break down much with FCA. I mean, they're they I I I was curious. They're in the coastal athletic conference. They were six and five last year. Here, here's something. Um West Virginia, not a strong team last year, beat them 65 to 7. So a West Virginia team that could barely bust a grape in a fruit fight absolutely crushed these guys. But look yeah, out this for... isn't the North Dakota States of the FCS here. This no, is not, not this is not that. And look out for defensive lineman Jesus Gibbs. Uh, but the joke I was gonna say is he's gonna have to play like Jesus Gibbs if they're gonna have any kind of chance in this game whatsoever. Okay, this is a lock special here, right? I mean step on the gas don't let up you know you're you're driving through the parking lots you're you're running people over you don't care keep going locks don't care like he isn't saving shit he is gonna put points up in this game that is what i'm expecting to see if if the available yards and points are there he's gonna take them we know the guys right leah hemby dichus those guys we know i i will say i'm excited to see who the wide receivers are uh, past Jayshon Jones, I mean, he we know he's going to be there. Past him, who are the other wide receivers that pop on the screen? That's about the only thing I'm kind of excited to see for this game. Yeah, I really want to see what, what Ty Felton looks like. Saw some some blasts of him last year. I think that's a player that you could see really jump Agreed. up. And and I really want to see how big little Antoine Littleton is. We need to stop calling him Littleton. He needs to be Antoine Bigton. Yeah, Bigton. that's just a big okay. sob. He is. They like them big running backs. Caden Prather's another one. So anyways, all right, so what Jordan and I decided to do, I'm going to say my score real quick, and then you then you say yours. I've got Maryland 60, Townsend 13. Okay, what do you got for the score? I had 50 to 7. 50 to 7, okay. So what we're going to do is Jordan and I are going to play a little game with, with this game, and we're going to average our point total. So I've got 60, he's got 50. So we are going to say Maryland's going to score 55 points in this game. We'll see we'll see how close Jordan and I are together. For total yards, I have got 525. Jordan, how many you have total yards for the Maryland Terrapins? 
487. And when you total those two up and divide it by two, it's 506 yards. So that's pretty easy to remember. 55 points, 506 yards of total offense from the Marin Tellerfans. Let's see how close the if Locks doesn't have there. that locked up by the fourth quarter, I'll be disappointed. I'll be disappointed too. I think he can, I think he can go over each one of those numbers. All right, moving into Saturday night, we have two games. Here comes Saturday night. All right, you know the NBC yeah, commercial. I'm, def- I'm definitely not gonna sing. You do not okay. want that. We will lose followers in a heartbeat. All right, we have got a somewhat regional rivalry, the West Virginia Mountaineers coming in to Happy Valley to take on the number seven Penn State Nittany Lions. 6.30 p.m. game on NBC. The jingle that I just horribly sung is what I'm talking about right there. Lion, Nittany Lions by 20 and a hook over under 51.5. So Vegas is saying 35 to 14 Nittany Lions. What do you got here for some little bit of behind the scenes stats? Old old school rivalry here. I think I don't know if you could call it a rivalry based yeah. on the records. Penn State 48-9 and 2 overall. That but bad. they have not played since 1992. I was just knee high to a grasshopper back in those days. It's been a long time. So 92. I would have thought it was way more recent than that nope. that they played. Uh, wow. Yes. And and Penn State won that game 40 to 26. So okay. it's so a semi it's been a long time. A semi-rivalry renewed here. Um, I looked it up. They're 120 miles apart, right? That's not far. A couple hours. Couple That's what hours makes it even more crazy. You can get yeah. out. You, you literally ride a bus. All right. So, we'll, we'll, real quick, West by God, Virginia. Uh, I think that was Bill's King. He always used to call him West by God, Virginia. Um, they're picked dead last in the Big 12 this year um, by Athlon and by uh, Pick 6 Previews. I believe, anyways, Pick 6 Previews. Five and seven last year. Um, they do return their entire offensive line, a, a couple of running backs. Okay. And they ran the hell out of the ball last year. It's just that that's kind of the end of the positives that anybody can find on West Virginia. It's all new with the quarterback and wide receivers. I mean, we are talking all new. Um, defense was kind of a disaster all year last year. We're, we're, we're banking on some form of improvement for that defense to look good. So that's kind of your breakdown for West Virginia. What, what are you looking at here for Penn state? Yeah, there's for you gambling degenerates out there. You can actually place bets on the number of games that Neil Brown makes it in the season before he gets fired. That's how bad the situation is at West Virginia. Do does does it have a number attached to it? I right don't now? know what it is right now, but if you there are books that will have it. Really? I want to say that he that, that it was at four and a half games before was, he gets fired. I have no way of proving this. I was just going to say somewhere between four and six games. So yeah, I think okay. that, that was the number I saw. So the hot seat could not be any hotter in West Virginia. Yeah, um, yeah. and I thought like you do, said, I thought he'd do better at West yeah, Virginia. It, just it really did. Seemed like a good cultural fit, but yeah. There is one thing on defense I'm interested to see. Lance Dixon, that me Lion fans will be familiar with, transferred over from Penn State to West okay. Virginia. He's a local kid here over in Michigan that the Wolverines really wanted. They and, wanted him to transfer in, but uh, the lovely admissions didn't allow that to happen. So that's he's a good player. Okay. He plays their spear position on defense. You know, okay. that lovely hybrid position it yep. is called the spear on West gotcha. Virginia. Maybe we should just come up with a name for that, whatever that is. And just everybody calls it that, like nickel, you know. I thought like, we um, called it a nickel. but Yeah, <laughs> yes, we did. It used to just be called a nickel. You're right. Okay, switching over to Penn State. 
I think these guys are freaking good. Okay. Um, the we'll start with the only real question I have is quarterback and and pass catchers. Okay, not tight ends. We're just talking wide receivers. Drew Aller, of course, he has not been named the starting quarterback by James Franklin, which is you know pretty much just an ongoing joke at this point. We're all eyes on Drew Aller. Okay. I don't think Drew Aller is going to look like, you know, um, the reincarnation of Joe Montana here or anything like that, or John Elway. I do think he's going to look good though. Okay. I, I, I felt like when he got thrust into action versus Purdue last year, first game of the year, he looked fine. Okay. Like you could see the talent. So I, I, with that being said, I think if he was average, they would still cover the spread, okay? And I think there could be a chance that he is above average, maybe even well above average, which makes you... I'm already foreshadowing how I feel about the line in this game. Because, I mean, Jordan, Penn State is stacked all, all over the place. Like, I really think they could throw the ball 12 times this game and just absolutely run Singleton and Katron Allen and that offensive line right over top of West Virginia... I mean, I dude, I get excited to watch these two running backs. Like it's especially when it's against a Big Ten or excuse me, a Big Twelve team. I I hope they just absolutely gouge them in this game. Well, I I think everything you just said will probably happen. Yeah. The the one thing that that I have concern with is you know with Drew Allard being a younger quarterback, if he comes out and does throw a couple early interceptions. Okay. What does that do to the confidence and what does that do to the fan base? We know the expectations in, in Happy Valley are so high. So I, I really hope they come out and they set him up easily, okay. some easy throws, and really trust the, the, the three-headed monster because we know Trey Potts is an excellent running yep. back too. Yep. Just, just trust those three guys and that offensive line to carry him and set him up for success so that you can build. Correct. For the season, because you this this could be a special year for him. So yeah, I I don't have a whole lot of doubt. I don't see this as a crazy high scoring game. I've no. got it Nittany Lions thirty eight, West Virginia ten for a total of forty eight. So staying under. Okay. Uh, but I but I have a what what was that twenty and a half? Yeah, I have Penn State covering. So. Okay. Um. Yeah. On top of the Penn State rushing attack, the Penn State defense is going to cave in like. You can't be a one-trick pony going against this Penn State defense, meaning I think West Virginia can run the ball on a lot of teams. This ain't going to be one of them, okay? So if, you, if you've if you only got one, you know, you, you can't punch with your left hand, you've only got your right hand available, you, you're going to get clobbered by a team like Penn State with a defense like this. So I just don't see a lot of success here. I've been thinking here, Jordan, like, why is this line staying at only 20 and a half? Like, that is what has been scaring me about this. And then finally, just today, it was just today, I'm like, you know what? I think Vegas thinks 20 and a half is a lot of points. So they they think they're at a lot of points. I just don't think it's enough. I have got Penn State 40, West Virginia 13. So I've got a pretty easy Penn State cover, cover and at 53 points, I got it just going over but i think one way that this stays under is if west virginia just basically doesn't score or doesn't score more than six points all right two games left we got one more on saturday night the toledo rockets coming in to champagne to take on the illinois fighting alana is the 6 30 p.m game on btn line illinois by just nine over under 46 points so vegas is saying something awkward like 28 
to 19 Illinois. What you got here, Jordan? First time these programs have met. I was very surprised to see really? this. Yeah, wow. I, I, I was very shocked. I Not very far geographically. You would have huh. thought over time that this would have happened, but no. Um, this game scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah. Illinois, you know, with their defense, we, we know what they have in the interior, and we know what they've lost, both on defense and offense. Toledo brings back 73% of returning production. Yeah. They bring yeah. back a ton. Yes, this is a good Mac team. This is not. This is not your pushover Mac team. Um, no, not they, at all. They are very good. DeQuan Finn, that quarterback, is yep. a playmaker amongst playmakers. If you do not, if you're not disciplined, he, he will eat you alive. Running the ball, I'm throwing the ball. Great playmaker for the Rockets. I, this game has me nervous. If I was, if I'm Big Kurt, I'm sweating this game out on Saturday. Yep. I can tell you that. And I, and I don't know how much he's sweating, but I think it's got every Illini fan's attention. Uh, Illini fans are recently have, have have joined the ranks of being extremely confident with their football team. They, they're they quite puffy chesty. It's been fun to Well, watch I mean, they did kind of earn it last year. They Absolutely. Were they, they were did. good last year. Absolutely, they did. Um Athlon picks them to go nine and four in the in the MAC. What does that mean? They have them predicting to go eight and four and winning the MAC championship. So you know, we don't know if that's going to be the case, but let's just assume for a second this is the MAC champion. That's a good team, okay? That that's a pretty darn good team. You talked about their quarterback; he is shifty and dangerous, dual threat type of guy. That is the type of guy in these games, right? The directional Michigan games, whatever. If you're like, okay, I just don't want him to have a dual threat quarterback because then you know that's where the we got them to third and eight, and then he slips out and picks up a first down and keeps drives going. That's the stuff that drives you nuts in these types of games. So we will see if that winds up uh, happening. Now talking about Illinois, Beetle gets his boys ready to play, okay? Um, if there's anybody that knows everything that we're talking about here, it's Beetle. He does a great job of communicating this stuff to his team. He will certainly do that here. And then he's going to lean on what he knows he can lean on. I would think the entire year, as long as health is not a concern, it's that defense and namely that front seven. I think Toledo's got, uh, they've got a couple bumps and bruises coming their way on Saturday night. Yeah, I want to see Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and them really just devour that Toledo offensive line. If Illinois comes out here and like, stomps them and really makes a statement that that sets them up for the rest of the year and to make yes. this push at a big 10 West shot, because see, now and if they come out here and they're sloppy and lazy, then now you start to question it. See, that's a good point because let's say, you know, we'll get to our predictions, obviously, but let's say Illinois just stomps these guys. It's not going to raise the eyebrows of anybody, but it should. Okay. Like if you are a big 10 or big 10 West fan and you're checking this game out and Illinois is just curb stomping them, watch out for Illinois, okay? Because that means... Well, and if you're a Kansas fan, when they're getting ready yeah. to go out to Lawrence the following week, Kansas Correct. has got high hopes in the Big 12. That, yeah. I mean, they're going to be watching this game close. Ab absolutely. Another thing we'll be looking at, too, is on the offense, Luke Altmaier. Um, haven't heard as much... Like, first of all, I have to keep looking at my notes because I want to call Luke Altmaier, Hudson Card, and Hudson Card, Luke Altmaier. I don't, I don't know why I've got that going on in my brain. But, but Luke Altmaier... Coming in from Ole Miss, um, 
Not a ton of stats. Okay. Uh, Petsa Card had more stats. He, he played a lot more in Texas. Luke Altmaier is, this is going to be his most meaningful snaps he's took in a college football atmosphere. So we haven't seen the bullets fly too much with him, but it all signs are pointing to that he easily won QB1. It's going to be interesting. He's got good receivers, better than what people think to throw to. I want to see what Isaiah Williams can do. So I, I, it's weird. I, I think I have more confidence in what the passing attack is going to look like. I think they're going to hit some throws down the field. What I'm really curious, curious to see is this O-line and running back by committee with Chase Brown being gone. I ain't saying it's going to be bad. I'm just saying I think like kind of like Minnesota, it's going to look quite a bit different. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I think getting Reggie Love and Josh McCray both touches and getting them going, that that's going to help Altmaier, you know? Yep. I, I do have some reservations about Altmaier coming in from Ole Miss. I mean, he lost that job to Jackson Dart last year for Ole Miss, and Dart did not impress yeah. for Ole Miss. So it yeah. makes you wonder how bad was Altmaier to not even get a shot yep. at that job. So that's that's the worry. But, I mean, that's last year he comes in. We trust Beats, right? We, we have to trust him to know what he's doing, and we, we will see. Um, I, This game, tough read. Uh, I've got it very conventional now that I'm looking and at 28-21 Illini. Ooh, okay. So that's 49 and an over, and the, the Illini do not cover here. Uh, I could see this going two different ways, though. Super close like I have it, one-score game. I could see Illinois just completely smothering Toledo, and Toledo only scores 10 to 13 points. Okay. But my gut just says maybe early in the game, there's a couple plays Daquan Finn hits for the Rockets and then beats, okay, writes the ship, calms them down the second half it gets – in control and they just kind of milk it away yeah i i see that's kind of closer to what i see is kind of that secondary breakdown that you did there i have a ton of faith in this illinois front seven like a ton of faith now the only thing that would make me nervous is i don't want those guys out there all you know i i want to keep my because they're a little thin okay on the front seven so i want my superstars to to wreck shop but I also want them to get out of there a little bit too. Or, or But unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be able to because I, I think this is going to be a little bit of a dogfight. But I I have faith in Beetle. I have faith in this defense. I've got Illinois 26, Toledo 14. Like that perfect number where your their quarterback pops one or two plays that gets points on the board, but not a lot of sustained drives. So 26 to 14, that's an Illinois cover. And at 40 points, I got that going comfortably under the 46 in fact uh, me and my special friend might be talking about this one right here being under 46 all right this is our last game of the year this will happen on sunday september 3rd the northwestern wildcats traveled across the country to take on the Rutgers scarlet knights this is our third big on big matchup of the weekend this is an 11 o'clock a.m game on CBS, perhaps get home from church. If that's how you roll on Sundays, you're going to have a Big Ten football game waiting for you. Line Rutgers by six and a half, over under 40.5. So Vegas is saying 24 to 17 Scarlet Knights. What say you, Jordan? So this is only the sixth meeting between these two teams. Uh, Rutgers leads it three to two all time. 2021 was the last meeting when Northwestern won 21 to seven. So not a whole lot of history here, but you couldn't pick two teams that need a win to yeah. start their year more than these two right here for two totally different reasons. Might I add Rutgers 
Packers needs this win to keep a bull hope in live. I mean, I think you lose this game and getting to a bowl game becomes very, very difficult yes. for Rutgers. Yes. And Northwestern just needs some good damn news. Yeah. You know, they, they the off season's been so with everything that's going on, this win just says, okay, now we can reset and now we can play football and move on. It's, it's a, you don't, I, it's not a must win game. I hate that phrase, especially this early in the year, but it just feels so much like a must win game for both of these teams. Yeah, this is a Big Ten football game. Only a Big Ten football-specific podcast could love, right? Uh, because I'll be honest with you, sicko committee stuff, however you want to say it, I will love to watch this, okay? I am I don't even mind at all that this is our Sunday game. I know some people are going to make fun and say, why couldn't you switch out this game or that game with this? I love it. I'm glad that they get the, the this one together. There's going to be other college football games on that Sunday as well. we got a whole weekend of college football to look forward to. Let's start with Northwestern. I mean, this is just a tough situation. You got David Braun comes in, just wants to, you know, just wants to be the first time defensive coordinator at a power five level, and then suddenly gets thrust into that as well as being the head coach. Now they've got kind of the Patsy head coach to come in and help him out a little bit. This is just tough. And and then you 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 ratchet it up some more by now putting them all on the plane, shipping them all the way out to the East Coast to play against, I, I think what's going to be a pretty good Rutgers defense. I don't know what the weapons are uh, on Northwestern. I'm, I'm going to be asking Jordan, like I looked him up. We did our deep dive. We are going to figure out how the quarterback's going to look. Uh, I think it's going to be Ben Bryant. We will see. We're going to figure out who's running the ball, who's get, who is available to get the ball thrown to. I don't know what to say. I know this much. If I'm a Northwestern fan, I at least want to see them continually put an effort to run the ball because I, I think trying to consistently throw the ball down the field the, the whole year starting this this Sunday, it, it's going to be tough for for, for Northwestern. Um, yeah, I, I agree but, with you. I do think I do think it'll be Ben Bryant at quarterback, who really not a bad player. You know, he was he was solid at Cincinnati. He wasn't anything like special, but came in after Desmond Ritter and just kind of kept things moving along for Cincinnati yep. when he was there. So that's interesting. You know, they do have a couple decent, you know, AJ Henning comes over from Michigan as a as a weapon, not really much of a route running receiver, but he's a he's that Debo Samuel type gadget guy yep. you can hand it off to. So there's there's weapons there. One offensive lineman I'm interested in is Caleb Tiernan. He's a redshirt sophomore. This is a guy he's gonna play right tackle that Michigan was very hard after in recruiting trail. He he they they really wanted him. And then he ended up going with Northwestern. So that could be another the next Northwestern offensive lineman. You know, it seems like they always have one that's just like, where the hell did they get this guy? Right. That could be the next one to could watch there. And, of course, there's still the the Gallagher of all Gallagher's is on defense. And they just seem like – I don't know if they just keep transferring him in or what. But there's another Gallagher on defense. So you know he'll be making play after play after play for Northwestern. Yeah. Um, uh then on the other side, we got Rutgers. So you kind of touched on it already. Um, I, I, listen, I, I think Rutgers is going to win this game. And Rutgers fans, they still like Shiano. Okay, they do. But they do want to start seeing better things. A, a win is a win. As long as they win this game, Rutgers fans will be fine. If they do figure out a way to lose this game, the that is going to thrust the Shiano you know, experience into the furnace here pretty quick. So I tell you what, I guarantee Shiano has got every, everything that he needs to available to him to try to win this game. He's going to go for it. So what does that mean to me? 
it means Gavin Wimsett. Okay. Take the training wheels off of them, run your RPOs, do whatever it takes to move the ball. It has got to start looking better offensively. There's a couple decent weapons around them, decent running backs, a couple receivers here and there. Now is the time to get Gavin Wimsett and make him look like a playmaker. I think they're going to try to do that as fast as they can on Saturday. Yeah, I think they need to do that. Yes. Now I have a question for you. Over under four and a half quarterback snaps for Johnny Langan in this game. Ooh. He's I'm that gonna, tight end yeah, hybrid oh, yeah, yeah. that they bring in. But you're but you're saying specifically quarterback snaps. Quarterback okay. snaps. Once a quarter. Four, four and a half. I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say once under. a quarter. Okay. That's a good I, number. I, That's a good I, number you set it up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go under. I think I like the over because I see him in all the short yarded right. situations coming and running that wildcat type. But I, I like I like the, right. the over four and a half. I think we can see him get six or seven snaps. I like that. Well, and a player a- I want to see on Northwestern, Aaron, Aaron Lewis, that defensive end that they have. Yep. This kid, yep. I, I don't know that he's Rutgers. a whole lot against. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yep. Rutgers. Yep. Yep. I, I don't think that he's a whole lot against the run, but he's going to get after the quarterback. Correct. <laughs> if those offensive tackles for Northwestern aren't ready, he yes. might rip somebody's head off. So, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, that plays into my score prediction because I, I believe. I believe Rutgers has got a good enough defense to just muck up Northwestern's offense all on their own. And then if they get into consistent third and seven plus Aaron Lewis is going to wreck shop. And I think that's pretty much what you're going to see in this game. Not a lot of points, right? Not a lot of points going to be available in Piscataway. I think Rutgers winds up putting more points up on the board simply because they're going to have shorter fields to work with more often. So I've got Rutgers 27 Northwestern 13. I've got a pretty easy Rutgers cover here. And at 40 points, I got it a half point under the game total. Uh, Doesn't get much closer than this. I have Rutgers 27. Northwestern 12. Okay. (laughs) I thought you were going to say 14. Okay. For a very slight under. Okay. And a Rutgers cover. And a Rutgers cover. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like that one, too. That one might uh, get some attention from me. There it is, big man. We got through our first podcast, and not that anybody would know, uh, but we we didn't even have any edits in that one. So first one out, straight through. How you feeling, man? Uh, it's great to be back on the microphone. It's great to have Big Ten football back. Um, I've already told the wife that Saturday morning – I am making every single tailgate food you can think of. And it might just be the, the two of us and our kids here watching football. And I don't care, but we are going to yep. have all the works just because football's back. So, oh man, it is. It should be. I mean, the fact that you get Labor Day, you know, even if you kind of overserve yourself a little bit on Saturday, you get an extra day of recovery. That is fantastic. I mean, I, nothing, nothing against the NCAA basketball tournament. This, this is my my favorite weekend of the year. I typically take Friday off. I'm taking Thursday, Friday off because of the tailgate and all the fun things that are happening. So I got a big five day weekend uh, coming up. Now I'll be at the Iowa game, uh, but how we essentially hope and plan this is that I would love if it's somewhat of a blowout and we can get out of there quick. Why? Because I want to get out of there and get to watch in the 2.30 games. You know, that's right. typically how we roll. Hopefully my brothers and, and I are how, how we do it. That's that's how it goes. But either way, at some point, I will be burning a hole in one spot of my parents' couch or perhaps my brother and sister-in-law's couch and just watching football. And buddy, I cannot wait. You got anything else you want to add? I, I don't think so. Let's Let's play ball. All right, buddy. I am Jeffrey the Greek. 
And I am Jordan. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.